3. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, uh, pause for a minute, minute. I hope you understand when he chose you, it's not after you were born. It's not just before you were born. It says even before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And you know who the beloved is, right? It's Jesus Christ. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11. Here comes the word. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Father, this morning, what a rich passage of scripture. The letter to the Ephesians is called the queen of the epistles. So rich, so beautiful. This morning, our prayer is through your spirit. May your word become beautiful for us, that it would reflect in us and show the beauty of Christ. Would you do that for us this morning, Lord? Amen. Uh, if you're quick on your chat screen, uh, would you tell me when you hear the word inheritance, what things go through your mind? When you think of the word inheritance, got to be quick on chat because otherwise the, those who are on audio uh, have a tough time. Uh, wonderful. You think of taxes. Yeah, if you get a big inheritance, that's true, Chris. And the downside to that is you've got to pay Uncle Sam taxes on that. Receiving property that comes from our real estate agent within the Shemini. David says that. Yes, an inheritance is something you receive. Amanda says uh, inheritance is tied to death and debt. Money and debt. Uh, sometimes inheritance is unexpected. All excellent answers. Thank you for responding with that. I want you to look now 
in the context of this word to verses 3 to verse 5. Now, I am not going to go deep into uh, what I'm about to mention, but I want you to see how the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, are involved in your and my salvation. So very often we focus on Jesus uh, because Jesus is the one who died for us. But for a balanced theology, a balanced understanding of who God is and who we are, I want you to broaden your horizon of who saved us and how that happened. And so without going into too much detail of this, because I've preached on this before, in the work of salvation, look at verse 4, he chose us before the foundation of the world. Who is the he? It's the Father. Verse 5 says us, our adoption comes through Jesus Christ. And then when you look at verse 13, you will discover it is the Holy Spirit who seals our salvation. And so when you look at verse 8 to 9, notice what it says making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ as a plan verse 10 for the fullness of time so what is salvation who does the work of salvation what is our role very simply put god's the one who does everything father son and spirit the spirit brings us to conviction the Father brings us to Jesus, and all that we're asked to do is respond to this free gift of God. I want you to know what is the purpose of salvation. So very often we, especially in the evangelical church, which is us Baptists and congregationals, we sometimes have made salvation and our relationship with God more of a transactional deal. Sometimes in our minds, and sometimes we tell people this, that you've got to accept Jesus because otherwise you're going to go to hell. True. But that's not, what, that's not just what it is. It is much more than that. There is a purpose to our salvation. And if you look at verse 4, the latter part, it says that he chose us so that we should be holy and blameless as much as salvation is the work of god through jesus sealed by the spirit i just want you and i to pause for a moment this morning and ask ourselves what is our focus now that we're saved are we going to go to heaven absolutely are our sins forgiven absolutely should we do a lot of ministry absolutely but if you miss the point that the reason God saved you and I is to make us holy and blameless, you might forget a great element of how you and I are supposed to live our life. You see, we can live today holy and blameless. And that is why we pay attention to the sins in our life right now. And I want to remind you this morning, if God is looking at you and I, much more than seeing whether you're giving off your tithes and offerings, are you doing ministry, 
uh, how is your job going much more than even your health i want you to know this morning god's looking to see whether the purpose he saved you and i is working out or not we're going to celebrate the lord's table in a little while this is a great time for you to ask yourself is there sin in my life if i know about sin what am i doing about it and so i want you to know god's purpose for you and i is so that we would be holy and blameless for what purpose look at verse 6 to the praise of his glorious grace look at verse 12 so that we who are the first hope in christ might be for what to the praise of his glory jump to verse 14 the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it again why to the praise of his glory of his glory once again let's remember we exist we are saved not just for our own sake but for the glory of god's grace and so this morning one of the things you and i need to ask ourselves is since we call ourselves followers of christ is god's glory projected through us in this world sometimes we as christians and even churches make our salvation more about us it's actually all for the glory of god the purpose is to make us holy which brings me to the fourth point and the fourth point this morning is uh, cheryl teased us with the word inheritance and my question to you at this point is do you know your inheritance in jesus christ so before i go there i want to refer to a story that you know very well it's in luke chapter 15 and so if you want to respond in the chat and jason if you could help me out with uh telling me what people are going to do uh, you remember the story about the prodigal son a father had two sons and one of the sons comes to the dad and then we know how he lived and then the story ends up with the son coming home and the father embracing him all of this uh, talking about God the father uh, dealing with sons and daughters as mentioned in the Bible story here's my question for you if I were to ask you what was the most disgusting or shocking part of that story let me repeat that what is in my opinion the most disgusting or shocking part of that story what do you think it is those on audio i'm waiting for jason to read and jason's probably waiting for people to respond yeah so uh the first one from don is eating pig feed 
yeah, that's horrible that the guy sent so much that he lost everything and he had to eat what the pigs had left over. Think about even especially as being uh, Jewish and eating the pig slop. Absolutely. Um, Brett said the older brother's response. Correct. Oh, that's one of my favorite parts of the story, not because I like it, but sometimes we as Christians are the older brother. True. What's the most shocking? All of these are right. The Keebler said the, the good son thought he was entitled. Um, the grosses said considering inheritance before the father's death. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe yeah. with that. I'm sorry, go uh, ahead. One, one more. Carol said the father took his son back as shameless and gave him honor. Amen. I love this story. Thank you very much. I love this story because this story is so rich, not only about God's love, but it is so descriptive of humankind. Now, one of the reasons I ask this question, and obviously when I ask the question, I have an answer, but I'm going to go with what Chris Gross said. Let me amplify it. When does one get one's inheritance typically in life? Uh, the kids in the puppets would know. You get it when your parents or your rich aunt who doesn't have any children dies and leaves you everything. But an inheritance is always tied, most of the time, to someone's death. In the story of the prodigal son or the generous father, whichever way you want to look at it, here's what's uh, so heart-wrenching. The son comes to his living dad and asks for his inheritance. In other words, what the son is actually telling the father is, dad, to me, you are as good as dead. Can I have my share? Now, yes, I want you to keep that story in mind. And then let's look into the book of Ephesians. Look at what is said in verse 11. It says, in him, we have obtained an inheritance. You know, as much as in Luke chapter 15, it was offensive to the father that the son would ask for that inheritance. Here scripture says, God who is never dead, we have already obtained it. And I hope that, uh, that fills your heart with joy and mystery to say how kind of God the Father to share with us something that typically we only get if the one giving dies. Scripture in verse says, 11 says, we have already obtained it. Notice what the role of the Holy Spirit is. Not only have we already got it, but the Holy Spirit has sealed it for us. Now, many of you who are younger than me uh, have missed out on one part of life probably about four or five decades ago. And that is when you had an important document 
most often government documents. Not only did you have to sign and the government official also sign, but at least growing up in India, I remember we used to have a red candle kind of a thing. It's more than a candle and you had to burn it. And as you burnt it, a drop of it came on a piece of paper and the government employee or the office to which you go, they had a seal. And over that wet wax on the paper, he put a seal on it and the wax dried up. And that was considered authenticity, almost like how we notarize today. And that's what scripture tells us. How do you know you have your inheritance today? Ah, the Holy Spirit within you, given to us, is our security. Now, here's the amazing part, and this is where I hope you will worship God, because I don't know what you were thinking when uh, the puppets Ralph talked about inheritance that he got. Uh, now that you know you have an inheritance, I'm curious, you don't need to answer, what do you think is your inheritance? Now, typically, if I didn't know what I'm about to share with you, I would think our inheritance in Christ is eternal life. Uh, being joint heirs with Christ means I'm going to reign with Christ. All the riches and all that God owns is mine. And to a certain extent, all of that is true. But I have something much more to you that you and I could never have guessed. It does not come up in our reading right now, this week. But as you read tomorrow's section, so let me go beyond what we read this morning. Look at verse 17 to 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I wonder if you knew what you just heard. The whole thing flipped over, and in that flip over, what verse 18 says, you know, so far we were talking about our inheritance, right? That we've already obtained it. The Holy Spirit is the seal. When you go to verse 18, there's an amazing reversal. What verse 18 says is, almost tongue-in-cheek, Hey, you guys are worried about your inheritance? This is God speaking. Let me tell you who my inheritance is, God says. God says, my inheritance are the saints. I don't know what thrills you more. Your inheritance, what God says is his inheritance. He says, you and I are actually his inheritance. Now, this shouldn't surprise us. This theme you find in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 20, God calls Israel his inheritance. 
They are God's people. They belong to God. And then what's even more interesting, if you remember when the land was divided among the tribes, you remember the Levites did not get any land. You remember why? God says no land for them. And the reason is God says, I, God, are their inheritance. And because God is their inheritance, God says, that's much more than money, land, fame, anything else. If you have God as your inheritance, you don't need anything else. You are already rich. So we come to Ephesians chapter 1, and God says, people of God, you, my children, you've already got your inheritance. How do you know you've got it? The Holy Spirit has sealed it. And then God says, let me tell you something a little more exciting than you. For me, you, my people, have become my inheritance. So where does that leave us this morning? What does all of this mean? Let me wrap that up for you with some very simple thoughts. Going back to inheritance. Jesus, who is God's son, is the natural inheritor, isn't he? If none of us existed, Jesus inherited, inherits everything from the Father. One of the things I love about the resurrection story, and I hope you don't miss it. Yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. Everyone's happy. The women are shouting and screaming and crying. Chaos. I love what Jesus says in the resurrected message. He says, Go tell my brothers. In the resurrection, not only are we children of God, but Jesus calls us brothers, which is why in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says, if we are children, then we are heirs and joint and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. So, for our children and the adults, you had the definition of who is an heir. An heir is someone who receives something from someone who is loved, usually a family member. When do you get your inheritance? You get it when the person dies. And now for us, who are we? We are heirs, joint heirs with Christ. We have already received our inheritance. Not only have we received it, but we have become God's inheritance. So very simply put, you know what's fascinating? If you were looking for a thing, or a status as your inheritance, I believe what scripture teaches us is our inheritance is God, period. You're not looking for a status. You're not looking for riches. You're not looking for money, which is why scripture tells us you have already obtained it. You have already obtained Jesus Christ as God and Savior in your life. You have already got sonship with God the Father. You already have the Holy Spirit 
within you, who is your seal, your comforter, and your strength. So I don't know about you folks, but I get excited when I wrap my head around something as big as this. And so this morning, I hope you realize you've already got your inheritance. Your inheritance is much bigger than even what you thought. We have God. God has us as his inheritance. Praise be to the Lord Almighty. Let me pray. Lord, I love it when it says uh, in this very scripture that we read this morning that you are the first to hope, we are the first to hope in Christ. That we are sealed. That you lavished upon us all wisdom and insight. If you didn't do that, we wouldn't understand a thing of what I just read or said. And it blows our mind this morning, God, that while we were yet sinners, you loved us and sent us Jesus. And just forgiving us our sins would be good enough, but then you did so much more for us. Just adopting us as your children would be good enough, but then you did more than that. You elevated us so that Jesus calls us his brother. And then God, the Father, Son, and Spirit says, everything that they are and they have is ours. And in response, we say, God, to you this morning, everything that we are is yours. We thank you this morning that we belong to you that you belong to us, knowing that may we stick to the goal to which you adopted us, and that is to be holy and blameless. I pray for everyone who hears and has been reminded this morning that we would focus more on our inner spiritual life, that we would deal with sin and becoming holy in your sight would be a great priority. As we prepare for the Lord's table, as we sing, may we come with deep love and appreciation for all that you did for us, only requiring for us to respond. And we respond by saying, Amen.